Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Well, it's been two months after the Taliban seized control in Afghanistan, an extraordinary meeting of the group of 20 major economies taking place in Italy later on today to discuss the crisis. And joining us to discuss the crisis and to give us an analysis on what might be achieved there is Professor Greg Barton, Chair in Global Islamic Politics at Deakin University. Good evening to you, Professor. Good evening. Good to be with you. Thanks. Professor, how uh, might the special meeting confront what's happening in Afghanistan? I think it's important to see the special meeting as just the first step. It's important that it is the G20, so a united front from um, the world's developed countries, particularly led by Europe. It's the first step because there's just so many difficult things to work through. Afghanistan is facing a dire financial crisis and a humanitarian crisis, desperately needing international aid. It also needs its own uh, reserve bank funds of $9.5 billion to be unfrozen, but it's making it very hard. The Taliban administration is making it very hard to recognize them as being a regular government. Mm. And so there'll have to be a series of compromises to try and work around that and meet the humanitarian needs. Are there objectives, shared objectives among the G20 nations on Afghanistan on how they want to approach this? I think think we can say there are shared objectives. Uh, What is not necessarily clear to anyone is, is what the best best uh, methods are, the best means, um, the pathway forward to, to achieve those objectives. So no one wants to see a humanitarian crisis in Afghanistan. Of course, for Europe, it would likely trigger a, an increase in the flow of refugees eventually flowing into Europe. Um, so that's a, um, a self-interest problem, but also a humanitarian concern. But it, no one is comfortable dealing with this, this Taliban regime. It's, it's not a regular government. Um, it seems to be going out of its way, or at least not not trying mm-hmm. uh, to present itself as being a reasonable compromise. Is there a way, though, to, to engage with the Taliban government in Afghanistan? I, I'm not sure how China or Russia is approaching this, but is there a way, or is there something that we can learn uh, from the way they are approaching this? Well, there's been a lot of speculation that, that, that China will be the savior of uh, Afghanistan and of the Taliban. Uh, I, I'm not sure that's the case. You know, China shares a, a, a small land border mm-hmm. with Afghanistan, but Afghanistan is an important neighbor in that sense. China is very worried about Afghanistan. You know, China's used to having difficult neighbors. I think of Myanmar and North Korea. It's been said that there's rare earth and other resources in Afghanistan that could benefit China, but I think realistically, it's more trouble than it's worth. It's more a question of damage control rather than a a great opportunity for China. I mean, it does present a diplomatic opportunity for China to step further forward on the world stage as a Mm -hmm. superpower, but it's such a difficult uh, task even for China. So I think we'll see China being hesitant and setting caution, and I don't think we're going to see large flows of money going through Afghanistan anytime soon. And I think that sort of sets the pace for Europe and the G20. Um, hopefully the G20 will be adventurous in trying to find ways to help the people of Afghanistan, 38 million people. But I think this will all be about a sort of a dance of compromise. How do we deal with the government, including it based in Kabul, the, the, the Taliban government, uh, without actually recognizing it as being a regular and normal government? And that's a question of, of sort of carrot and stick, of, of not giving them everything they're asking for all at, at, at once because then there's no leverage. But not, uh, you know, not just um, closing the door on negotiations because that would be that would be counterproductive as well. I mean, but they are in power. That's the reality. Mm-hmm. And um, for the sake of the people of Afghanistan, we've got to find a way of dealing with them. 
Professor, for the international community at large, for the rest of us, I mean, after the after what unfolded on live TV, in fact, two two months ago when the Taliban took over, which caused a lot of concern for many of us, two months later and further down the road, what sort of harm or what kind of impact would an unstable Afghanistan really have in the rest of the world? Well, stability is a big point. I mean, the one thing that the Taliban may offer is stability. And if we're sort of looking at the positive side of things, they've come to power this, this fantastic military conquest without large-scale loss of life. So there wasn't sort of mortar around in Kabul and other cities. Uh, there wasn't that terrible destruction we saw in the mid-1990s when mm-hmm. they came to Kabul in '96. So that's good. I mean, uh, Afghanistan is not Syria, and so we should be grateful for that. And they may well be able to develop uh, stability, but it, you know they've won the military conquest of Afghanistan, but it's not clear that they can hold on to power uncontested. Islamic State um, is, is giving them grief, and, and that's sort of going forward on a scale that I think exceeds what they were hoping would be the case. And it's not clear that they will be able to hold off Islamic State attacks. Mm. And maybe in time that they, their control on the country begins to unravel. So the stability question, I mean, I think everyone wants stability. And so that's perhaps one common interest we have with the Taliban regime is to say you need financial support to have stability. We want there to be stability in Afghanistan and humanitarian outcomes um, preserved. So let's talk about how we can make that work. Um, but it's, as I said, the, the Taliban is making it very hard to engage with them because they, they are behaving in character exactly like they were in the 1990s. And um, this is a close ally of al-Qaeda. It doesn't share al-Qaeda's sort of global focus on global attacks, but in terms of its approach to you know, matters of religion and society, it has the same reaction reviews as al-Qaeda. So that, that makes it a very hard partner. Well, we're speaking to Professor Greg Barton, Chair in Global Islamic Politics at Deakin University in the upcoming G20 summit uh, to tackle the issue in Afghanistan. Now, Professor, Italy has spoken out uh, to say that the government, the Taliban government in Afghanistan, could not be recognized. But at the same time, it is also urging foreign governments to prevent a financial collapse there that would spark massive uh, flows of migrants, as you brought up earlier. Can this be achieved, though? Can you not recognize a Taliban government and still be able to prop up its, 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 uh, its financial needs? I think absolutely. That's The answer is, I mean, back in the 1990s, it was only a handful of countries um, free from envy, immediate neighbours, that recognised the Taliban regime. That may well be the case now. Um, mm. There is a middle path between full recognition and a preparedness to perhaps put, in some cases, put embassies back into action and, and uh, ambassadors back and, and, and to negotiate. Uh, it's new territory, so no one quite knows how to do this. The Taliban desperately wants not just financial Support, but but also recognition. recognition they yes. have this, yeah, they have this romantic view of this Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan, as we're calling it. But I think it's important that we we don't quickly give up our leverage. I think that the so-called peace deal with the Taliban over the last two years was a mistake, and I don't think we should repeat that mistake and just you know give over everything they're asking for and lose all leverage. And I think because they're they're so vested in getting recognition and financial support, um, they will keep coming back to negotiate, but they're, they're very good negotiators, so we shouldn't underestimate them. Okay. And we'll have to find this, this middle path of, of not recognizing them as a, as a regular government, but nevertheless realizing that they're in power. 
as you said, they're very good with negotiating. So we'll see how this all works out, hopefully for the benefit of everybody. Thank you very much for sharing your insights on this, Professor. Professor Greg Barton is the chair in global Islamic politics at Deakin University. You're listening to Prime Time here on Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.